0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson as always I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson here on the Maroon Friday edition of the yard hope it's payday for you how about that it is Friday it's middle of month Friday maybe you're getting paid today that's always a cool day anytime that you get chance to put a little cash in the bank. It's a big day for many of us, you know, as soon as it gets in, it goes out. But uh, nevertheless, it's nice to be able to be independent and self-sufficient. So hope you're wearing maroon today. It is Maroon Friday, and as uh, you guys know I'm a big proponent of Maroon Friday. I think we should always rep the brand when we can. Let everybody know you're a Bulldog. And listen, I understand right now we're having a tough time with the winter sports, but, uh, you know, I'm all about the long play. And I'm a bulldog for life. But uh, I'm a big, big, big fan of Maroon Friday. And I hope that you guys will continue to participate in that in the years to come. And isn't it great that we can celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose? Many of us have maroon and white tattoos, so we're really always kind of repping uh, MSU. So uh, maybe you're one of those. Maybe if you're not one of us, maybe you should consider joining us. For those of you that don't know, I've got an M over S tattoo a thunder lightning tattoo on my left hand everybody knows my right hand with my highway 98 tattoo and i've had some people ask me oh i don't know a couple hundred steve what's that mean on your right hand that's your twitter profile picking everything else what's that about well i'll share with you real quickly before we move on is i've got a highway 98 tattoo because i am from columbia mississippi i grew up there i was born in canton miss it's where my dad lived Uh, most of his adult life but uh, my parents divorced when I was about 15 months old so I grew up in Columbia lived with my grandparents until I was eight to my mom remarried and then uh, had pretty much a normal life I guess after that but um, I take a lot of pride in being from South Mississippi and uh, a good friend of mine his dad was kind of like a second dad to all of us we didn't get to hang out with him that much he's a guy that worked in the oil field uh, relentlessly, but when he was home, he wanted to hang out with us, you know, so we'd go play golf, or we'd go do things like that, and he had a lot of life lessons for us, and And uh, I'm glad that he was in my life, and uh, so I was a kid, I say a kid, I was a teenager, when they four-laned Highway 98 from border to border, because for many years, you know, from uh, Macomb to Columbia, 98 wasn't four-laned. And from Columbia to Hattiesburg, 98 was two lanes. They used to call it bloody 98, if you remember. And so Mr. Glenn Bryant, whenever they began the four-lane 98 from Columbia to Hattiesburg, Mr. Glenn Bryant said, boys, you don't understand. That's going to open up your world there. It's going to be your highway to the world. Everything's going to change. You're going to be able to shop over there. You're going to be able to go to school over there. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to be able to do that. There's going to be a lot of experiences that you don't have right now that you're going to be able to have because 98 is going to be foreland, You know, because back in those days, you know, driving H was 15, and driving to Hattiesburg was a big deal. You know, Mama didn't want you doing that because there were so many wrecks on 98. And so once it opened up, you know, of course, everybody felt a little safer about us going over there. And uh, Mr. Glenn died several years ago. And, uh, and so I got that tattoo prominently affixed on my right hand, Kind of in honor of Mr. Glenn Bryant and then all of my friends back home. And so that's why I have that. And uh, as as the kids say, never home, always reppin." And so that's for South Mississippi. I am a fiercely proud Mississippian. I love being from here. There are some things, of course, that uh, need to change. There's some things that have changed in my lifetime. But uh, I take a lot of pride in being a guy from South Mississippi. I don't get down there enough and that's kind of how it always is right no matter how much effort you make it's never enough to be around people you love it it takes a lot of time you know to run this machine you know i I thought think about this kind of stuff all the time you know i had a couple of article a couple of articles today did some things on a new book and then uh did a facebook live had a chat session and now here i am in the wee hours of the morning uh recording this show and so many of you when you're listening to this i'll be asleep for a little while anyway but uh I am very, very, very proud, you know, to be a guy from South Mississippi, and I've got some friends back home that, uh, you know, I don't get to see enough. But uh, there are some people, and I, I've shared this with you guys a thing before. You know, I've got some Starkville friends that'll help me move. I got some Marion County friends that'll help me move a body, if you know, <laughs> if you know what I am saying. You know what I am saying. There is just some people in, in your life, no matter what happens. And, and I, I was not a good person towards the end of my time down in South Mississippi you know that's back when I got clean and sober and that sort of stuff and uh, you know kind of made my stand there in Hattiesburg Mississippi went to Pine Grove Recovery and thank God I've been sober now over 29 years but uh, you know when I left Columbia Mississippi I didn't think I'd ever go back and uh, just didn't want to go back I'd burned so many bridges down there and you know, and, and as a guy that uh, you know, got in some legal trouble, too, I mean, there were a lot of people that felt like, you know, because yeah, that's how it is in life. You know, when there's all these rumors, when you get in trouble, you know, he's going down forever. I mean, Steve may get the death penalty. You know, I mean, it's, you know, silly stuff like that. You know, and then I end up going to the RID program, and I'm out about six months, and people think, well, he, he got such a good deal, he must be a narc. So I couldn't trust any of my old running buddies in, uh, in Columbia, and so I moved to Hattiesburg and stayed over there. And uh, any time that I make that turn – off of 59 on to 98 the closer I get to 98 it's almost like healing power you know because I've got so many good memories in Hattiesburg and so that's why I have that you didn't sign up for that today it's a little bonus content for you that's why I have that highway 98 tattoo because that was as Mr. Glenn Bryant told me it would be that became kind of my highway to the world and so I'm uh, very very grateful to have had those people in my life and um you know, it's one of those things, too, that as we get older, you know, we're losing some of those people. And there's so many people that I got clean and sober with that there's so few of us left. And uh, I don't want to depress you guys today, but most of the people that I got clean and sober with are dead today. And most of them not by natural causes. And those are some things that stay with me. You know, it's one of those things that also kind of keeps me on my toes about staying You know in a program of rigorous honesty and I continue to work my program and uh, you know I've got a support system and you know when I do something really stupid I'm pretty quick to confess it I'm pretty quick to call a friend or in recovery an accountability partner or or call a sponsor of sorts and say listen hey here's what I did and uh, here's how I need to fix it or you know I don't know how to fix it what should I do and so I think it's important that we uh, we do those sorts of things and even if you're not in working a program recovery it's good to have people that are accountability partners I quit worrying about people gossiping about me a long time ago. You know, because there's nothing anybody else can say that I hadn't already been in a newspaper. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, what else do I have to lose? One thing my, one thing my dad told me, we'll change the topic here shortly, but one thing my dad told me years ago, and I've never forgotten this. He said, don't waste your time trying to explain yourself. Don't do it. Don't waste your time trying to explain yourself. Because your friends don't need it, and your enemies won't believe it anyway and so I've always kind of remembered that and I think those are good words for a living and I, I try not to waste my time with any of that stuff you know, if I, I'll apologize and make amends you know, when I've wronged somebody but uh, you know, trying to, having to explain my motives and things like that I mean listen you know, people are going to make judgments about you anyway but you know, their opinions in 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at the truck stop speaking of good stuff bulldog burger company man you got to go by and check those guys out i hadn't been this week i need to get by there probably you know before the blizzard comes you know before snowmageddon gets here uh, i need to go get some grub from bulldog burger company i, I love that place and i loved it before they were even sponsors of the show and that was one of the reasons that i was so eager to work with them because i'm kind of pick and choose uh, who i do local ads with and it's just a great place It's run by a great company and a great group of mississippi state and starkville area families that have served the golden triangle forever and a day and so you know when you're contributing you go out there and you eat you're, you're kind of contributing to our community you know i'm a firm believer in eating local absolutely you're not going to find a better brand of restaurants you're going to find with the eat with us group bulldog burger company is a huge part of that right here on university drive in stark vegas and on gloucester street there in tupelo and listen if you cheer for other teams You'll enjoy the meal just as much. You know, it's not just for us. It's called Bulldog Burger, but uh, it is for everybody. And you need to have those spring rolls because everybody, especially opposing fans, need to be better looking. So have those spring rolls when you go. Enjoy your experience. You know, And we've talked about this a couple times on the show. The portions are so substantial, you're going to get more than your money's worth. Go by and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. I guess we got to talk a little basketball. That's a topic at the moment right now. And uh, before we get into tonight's loss against Arkansas on the road with the women, let's take a quick look back at the uh, game against LSU. You know, I talked about on Wednesday's show. I felt like that, um, you know, Fountain had a chance to have a pretty good ball game because the perimeter defense from LSU was a bit suspect. And Fountain did have a good ball game. Twenty-seven minutes of action. Eight of twelve from the floor. Four of seven from three. I think he made his first five shots, pulled down seven rebounds, had a couple of assists, and scored 20 points. That's pretty solid work from a freshman there, for sure. And he really kept us in it early. And I don't know who expected that. I mean, I'd like to sit here and tell you why I predicted it on the show, but I didn't. I felt like he'd have a good game, but, game, but he exceeded my expectations, for sure. But there weren't a lot of bright spots in the game. Um, yeah, I give Tolu Smith... You know, the Gold Star, one of his better games in the uniform for sure, 36 minutes, 10 of 11 from the floor, four of five from the free-throw line, and he has certainly improved as a free-throw shooter. You know, it was a real big adventure early in the year. Pulls down 11 rebounds, has a couple of assists, a block shot, 24 points. And so you're saying, Steve, you know what? If we're getting, you know, Tolu Smith giving us 24 and we're getting 20 off the bench with Derek Fountain, we won the ball game, right? No, we did not. We did not win the ball game, And defensively, we were a disaster. And listen, I understand that LSU is one of the top offensive teams in the country, but that has nothing to do with us not getting back on defense. Okay, that's not offensive efficiency. That is defensive lapse by Mississippi State. And those are the things that really bother me. I'm not going to be overly critical of Ben Howland here because I've said before I do expect him to be back next year unless it completely goes in a tank down the stretch. But um, I I just don't know how you fire that guy, you know, with – you know, such a young team. I know that there is. I know that there is a lot of Ben Howland fatigue within our fan base, but Ben Howland has kind of built a pedigree on defense, and I cannot count the times this year that we have been beaten badly in transition, badly. And some of that's having young players. Some of those are guys that uh, you know they're not used to guys snowbirding behind them. They're not used to playing against players They can make that snow that uh, snowbird pass out there and and, uh, you know, turn things into offense pretty quickly. But it just seems that we lack a lot of mental focus. You know, we go down there, we jack up a bad shot, and then we give up, uh, you know, some points in transition on a fast break. I don't know how many dunks I wish you had, but it seemed like it was 10,000. Wide open, nobody steps in front there. Derek Fountain, of course, steps up and gets a charge there. But, you know, that's the thing I think about with Ben Howland is, you know, when you look at this young nucleus of players and you think, okay, well, Fountain is beginning to kind of step up and do some things. You know, Matthews has kind of been a defensive stopper. He's got to get better on the offensive end. Iverson Molinar has certainly been a good, good player this year. I think he got lost a little bit last night. Uh, and D.J. Stewart, you know, a lot, there's some mock drafts that have D.J. as a potential first-round draft pick. I don't know that I share that just yet. But, uh, you know, he is certainly an incredible athlete and certainly a guy that has an opportunity to go play in the NBA one day. But I think that just kind of underscores the issue. As you know, we had NBA players with uh, Quindary Wetherspoon was here, right? The next year we had Robert Woodard and um, Reggie Perry. And then this year we've got DJ Stewart. And so let's say DJ comes out and you have guys drafted three years in a row, but yet you don't have any NCAA tournament wins to show for it. So what that tells me is that, you know, talent's not necessarily the problem. If you're able to go get these guys in here and develop them, because, you know, there were years and years and years where Rick Stansbury had some great teams, but we could not put anybody in the NBA. I guess Lawrence Roberts and, um, you know, a couple other guys, I guess uh, Arnett Moultrie, you know, we, we just really struggled to develop players into pro basketball players. And that's very difficult to do because you got to think there's you know, 300-plus Division One basketball schools, and every, every one of us players thinks he has a chance to go to the NBA, well, there's, you know, there's only two rounds of draft, you know, and so that's difficult to do. I, I understand that, which makes it even more <laughs> alarming that we've had guys that um, you could potentially have, uh, you know, NBA draft picks three years in a row, and then we can't get to the dance. And when we, the one time we do get there, we can't win. We lose to an inferior team. And so those are the things that kind of stick with me. I told you guys, Cameron Thomas is going to be a problem. He was 25 points for LSU, uh, and he is their leader. He's a guy that gets out and runs. Javante Smart put all 40 minutes and scored 22 points. Uh, Darius Days did play. He's been a little bit banged up, but he hurt us too. 16 points. We lose the ball game, 94 to 80, and uh, really, you know, LSU's pace of play really wore us out. You know, we're down two at the break, 41-39 and we get, get outscored by a dozen uh, in the second half. And it really just felt like from about seven or eight minutes on, it was LSU's game. It was just a matter of what the margin of victory was going to be. So uh, now, you know, we had two winnable games. We've lost one of them. Now we've got to go find a way to win uh, this ball game uh, against Vanderbilt on Saturday. And, and, you know, as tight as they played us up in Nashville, you know, and it seemed like we were in control of that game and then they got hot late, uh, but we'll play them at noon on Saturday. You lose these two, and it could get away from you in a big hurry because uh, you're running out of games that you look at and you say, you know what, we should win that game. And right now there's some people looking at the radio or their phone, saying, you know, Steve, at this point, can you have any confidence? in us beating anybody. And in fact of the matter it's No. No, there, there are a couple of, I would say, winnable games on the schedule, but there's not a game on the schedule I look at right now, and so that's a definite win. I think the last one of those was Iowa State. You know, we knew they were going to be an awful team, and then they were missing some players when they got here. It was good to get a win to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit, but uh, our effort defensively absolutely was not there against LSU. It wasn't. And I give LSU credit for exploiting us. You know, I thought athletically they were a much better team. They were much longer. They were quicker. Um, and so that all kind of plays into it as well. It is very, 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 very disappointing to lose for lack of effort. This is not a great LSU team. And it's like I read on some of the social media stuff. People say, oh, you know, LSU's been hot. They lost four or five. No, they hadn't been hot. They haven't been hot. Okay, so save that for something else. LSU had not been hot. They came in here and we helped them. We were a bit of a slump buster for them. And you can say, well, you know, Steve, they shot it pretty well. Yeah, it's true, but they've also given up a ton of points. And that's been the problem for us is that offensively, we just cannot mount any semblance of offense. We had a good good stretch last night, but I think some of that, too, is because LSU has been so bad defensively. We've got to find a way to be better on offense. If that means we got to shake up the coaching staff, and that's what we got to do. We are a boring basketball team. Okay, I'll say it. We are not fun to watch. And it's like people say, well, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that. You know, at the end of the day, fans want to see excitement. I don't remember the last time that we were an exciting basketball team. You know, a couple years ago, you know, we had a pretty good stretch there. But, uh, you know, again, we always find a way to lose games that we shouldn't. And I've discussed this on the show last year. And I had some of my peers that were you know, said I was being too hard. But, you know, Ben Howen doesn't have what you'd call a lot of signature wins since he's been here in six years. I mean, who has he really beaten that he shouldn't have beat? Well, he beat Auburn, right, a couple years ago. That was a big win. But we have not really done well against teams that are even equal or, or you know, more talented than us. We have really struggled, you know, to get those marquee wins. And uh, I did the numbers on it a while back. I mean, you know, it's like, and there's always an excuse, you know, that's, and I don't understand it, but there's always an excuse. People say, well, you know, we had this going on, we had that going on. The bottom line is this. Is Ben Howen doesn't have that big signature win to hang his hat on? He doesn't. And the fact that we got to go search so hard for it, oh, when Auburn came in here, they were ranked. Okay, okay, I'll, okay, I'll give you that. We blew a game against Kentucky this year, and this is not a good Kentucky team. We have not been competitive most times out against Kentucky. Uh, there were a couple ball games that we were. You know, we had some competitive games against Tennessee, but at the end of the day, I mean, I look up the road at Oxford. You know, Kermit Davis has got more marquee wins in a month than Ben Howland's got in six years. And I always hate to have to compare ourselves to Ole Miss, but, um, you know, when Scott Strickland got ready to hire Ben Howland, he could have hired Kermit Davis. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that. But, you know, now our guy's up the road and, uh, you know, got them in, in on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. And I know they didn't play well early on, but they're, they're finally playing up to their potential. And that's what makes this so much more difficult, Right. Is it would be one thing if we were incredibly mediocre, and that Ole Miss was incredibly mediocre. But now we've got our guy, a former alum at Ole Miss, and it looks like that they, uh, you know, they're in a, a bit of a renaissance. And and listen, I know some of our state fans come out and say, well, you know, they they didn't have this last year. And, you know, the one thing that I'll say about Kermit Davis's team is that I don't think he ever has to coach effort. They seem to understand. They, they might miss shots, and they might. Uh, you know get out there sometimes and make some mistakes but it's never a matter of effort and that's the thing about the Ben Howland teams that I look at sometimes and I I just like you know it's like we're not even trying it's like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy it's like okay well, here we go again so let's just go out here and uh, you know let the shot clock wind down you know everybody puts us in a press now and then you know by the time we get the ball over the uh, half court line you know we make one pass next thing you know there's less than 10 seconds to go on the shot clock so we can't set anything up and we force a bad shot and we miss it and we don't get back on defense and it's two points for the other team. Those are the things that drive me crazy. And maybe it's just me, you know. And maybe, you know, I've been told before that sometimes my expectations are unrealistic, not just about sports but about life. And I, and I, I disagree with everybody with that. I think, I think you get what you expect more times than not. If you go out there and say, you know what, I just want to – listen, let's just all let's go have fun. You know, maybe we can have fun. But I I, I never played sports just for the fun of it. I may get out there in the the front yard on the hoop and, and play 21 with my kids and play that for fun. You know, but as they began to get older, I wanted to win too. My oldest son, you can ask him, I never let him beat me in anything his entire life, ever. He ended up playing college baseball too. I wonder if there's a correlation there. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if it's a correlation. I wonder if I just said, you know what, hey, you take the last shot and I'll just fake it, Right. I wonder if that had anything to do with him becoming a college baseball player. It's about expectations. You're going to beat me, you've got to earn it. And those are the things that just drive me absolutely crazy. Drives me absolutely crazy. And, and I, I read some of our fans out there, and so many of them have gotten apathetic about men's basketball. At the end of the day, though, I do think we've got a chance to be a better team next year. I think Devion Smith's going to get better. We just need D.J. Stewart to return. If D.J. Stewart doesn't return next year, it's going to be more of the same. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. We'll we'll be in a perpetual state of rebuilding. And that's what seems to be so frustrating for all of us is that we're constantly rebuilding, constantly. Like you look at last year, all the guys that went in the portal and guys that went in the draft. We are constantly in a state of rebuilding. We are never building towards anything. We We just don't have the opportunity to do it. You know, we had a bit of a short build, you know, when we had Robert Woodard and Reggie Perry here, and then they both go to the league. You know, but we just never – we don't have a nucleus from year to year. Every year it's a brand-new team. It's almost like playing junior college basketball. It's like a new group comes in each and every year. We get the most out of them. We start over the next year. And that's what's frustrating. That is what's so incredibly frustrating. It would be one thing if you had any continuity whatsoever. It's like – right, I mean, right now let's think about this. Are you confident right now that D.J. Stewart's going to be back next year? I, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm on the fence about it. I hadn't talked to him. But if you're DJ Stewart, you think, okay, if I've got a chance to get out and go make some money next year, or I can come back and, and be you know, part of year two of another rebuild, what's more appealing to me? You know, well, if i got a first-round grade, I think I'm going to go. you know. But if DJ Stewart leaves, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be more of the same. And it might be more of the same even with him back. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. But there, there, there's problems. There's problems with men's basketball. And some people seem to be oblivious to that. And and maybe it's because they're no longer emotionally invested in men's hoops. But I think if we go out next year and we have a good year and you've got some of these young players looking to come back, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, listen, hey, hey, wait a minute now. Okay, we've kind of got it figured out. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's not beyond the, you know a reasonable hope. I do think we'll be a better basketball team next year. I do think it's a big year for Ben Howland. But I also know this, there's not going to be a lot of people paying attention next year uh, to men's basketball if uh, we get out of the gate slow. I'll go ahead and get you ready for that. I don't care how much attendance they allow at Humphrey Coliseum, we're not hitting the number. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you now, we're not hitting the number. All right, let's talk women's hoops. Uh, listen, the Mississippi State women have not won in a while, but to be fair, they have not played much basketball in a while. And like I read these things out here, people like it's true, and they hadn't won, the game in, uh, won a game in, what, a month or so. That's true, but we've had some games canceled and we've had some games rescheduled. And, and so let's just kind of look at this real quick here before we get, kind of get into uh, what happened at, at Fayetteville. But it's, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, you know, we find we find things that kind of fit our narrative, right? So, our last win was against Ole Miss, January tenth. Okay. Then we lose to Alabama. Shouldn't have. Then we go and lose to a and and then we lose to South Carolina. So we've played three games since our last win. And then we have the Vanderbilt game is canceled because they have uh, abandoned women's basketball this year. And then the Tennessee game is postponed. And so then we play. And so, yeah, we haven't won in a, over a month or won in a month, but we've only played three games. You know, and we listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we should have won those games, but, um, you know, we lost some games we probably shouldn't do out the schedule. But, uh, you know, it's bad enough without us adding a lot of hyperbole to it. You know, one of the things that I, I wondered about, you know when Nikki McCray-Penson was hired, and and I, and I'll be honest with you, I know that I'm in a minority. I still think it's a good hire. And you're saying, Steve, how could you say that? Well, there's always that first year. There's always that first year where you got to learn the team, you got to learn the league. You know, she was coaching at Old Dominion, so she hadn't seen a lot of SEC players in a while, and so you know, there's gonna be some tweaking. And, and listen, I don't I don't know if you can ever fairly judge any coach in year one. I know we are an instant gratification society. I am like that, too. It's like Mississippi State sports is what I'm all about, right? I mean, this is what I'm invested in. I don't go deer hunting. I don't do a lot of fishing unless it's on my own property. I don't take a bunch of trips. I don't go hiking in the mountains. I go to some rock shows every now and again. But this is it for me. This is what I'm invested in. This is what I keep up with on a daily basis. I keep up with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then I'll admit that I've gotten a little fair weather in recent years, I don't watch the NBA. I don't have an MLB team. This is it. Mississippi State is what I'm focused on. And so I don't have anything to distract me from this. Does it make sense? I know many of you are like me. It's like when Mississippi State is playing, no matter the sport, that's my focus. And I remember, listen, you know, when, when the world was normal, you know, we'd have sometimes four games at the hump. Two men, two women. And so, you know, I I was spending all my time down there. And so, when I look at this stuff, I begin to kind of realize, too, when I take a step back and take a deep breath. So, you know what? It's a weird year, and I don't know if we can fairly judge anybody this year, in any sport, to be honest. There are some people that have done better than others, but, you know, when you think about all the challenges – You know, we we go back and talk about football, and you've got all the contact tracing and things like that. I mean, you have a guy out there that's not sick, but he can't play because he's around somebody that was. And I get it, not being critical of the protocol. But as a coach, you know, you never really knew from one week to the next who you could count on. I mean, you get through Saturday and say, okay, everybody's healthy and nobody got injured in the ball game, let's go get ready to go play again. And then come Wednesday, all of a sudden you find out, hey, coach, uh, you're missing half of your offensive line because they were all at a party together and one of the kids got COVID and they all rode home together in uh, a couple of SUVs and now the whole group's got to sit out. And so, yeah, it's a moving target and it's for everybody, okay, but again – I don't know if it's fair to really judge that. Now, we haven't had the same issues on the women's basketball side in some respects, but it's still a crazy year. You still got to get out there and you got to get tested. Uh, And so I just don't know if it's fair to judge anybody in year one. Now, you go back and look at the Joe Moorhead year one. You had that great defense, and and we all said, you know what, hey, that's true, we probably wasted one of the best defenses in our history because we're implementing a new offense. You know, we took Nick Fitzgerald, a guy that was a, a seasoned running quarterback, a guy that could run his own read and, and pass adequately enough uh, to kind of make it make it interesting. And then now we're going to make him a downfield passer. And we had some coaches that were coming from some lower leagues and said, hey, you know what, we're going to be able to do it. And they undervalued the quality of play in this league, if it's possible. I remember some guys, and I won't mention any names, some guys on that first Joe Moorhead staff that told me, Steve, you would not believe how far ahead of schedule we are. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe how far ahead of schedule we are. It's incredible how quick the kids are picking it up. We're going to be great. We're doing this, we're doing that. And then we go out there and do a couple, you know, have a couple non-conference games. And, uh, you know, we start feeling pretty good. But, you know, it, it, it's a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because, you know, Nick's having to do some things he hadn't early done. And um, the next thing you know, you know, we get in a conference play and we can't score points. And a lot of us, including myself, I guess I kind of made some excuses for Joe and said, you know what, hey, you got a running quarterback playing in a passing offense. It's a run first guy and a pass first. So it's kind of, you know, a, it's a square peg in a round hole. And so we give Joe the benefit of the doubt. Then the next year you get Tommy Stevens and the kid can't stay healthy then you've got to put Garrett Schrader in and you basically run the Nick Fitzgerald offense, right? I mean, right? I mean, that's just how it is. And so I don't know if it's fair to judge anybody in your one, but these losses are mounting, and uh, a lot of our fans, while they are apathetic about the men for the most part, they're certainly invested in the women. And we lose the ballgame. I think I'd read that we had beaten Arkansas 13 straight times. I think that's right. I hadn't done my own research, so I'm depending on somebody else's note that we'd beaten Arkansas 13 times in a row. we go up there and we play and we get down in the ball game. We, we, we battled back, but I'll be honest with you, this year at Mississippi State, I'm kind of tired of talking about moral victories. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, man, when we played hard. And, and I'm guilty of that sometimes, too. You know, to borrow a phrase from Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. You don't just play it to play it. You play to win the game. And, yeah, we're on the road, yeah, it's a top 25 team, but we're Mississippi State. This is a team with three McDonald's All-Americans. And so I don't think it's just as simple as things say, well, you know, we're still kind of figuring our way through this, and maybe we're a little bit rusty, whatever. You know, I'm not going to make excuses. Nikki McRae-Pinson has paid a lot of money to win basketball games, and we hadn't won in a long time. We hadn't won in a long time. And I'll just go ahead and share this with you, uh, to anybody that's associated with Mississippi State women's basketball. If you think that the fans are tough on you now, You lose that ball game on Sunday, and uh, everything that happened tonight will feel like a high school homecoming pep rally. You lose that ball game to Ole Miss on Sunday, on Valentine's Day no less, after the way we have dominated that series the last several years. Had a couple of senior classes come through here that had never lost to Ole Miss. Lose that ball game on Sunday and see how uncomfortable it gets. I know our family. I know the Mississippi State fan base. There is nothing that gets under our skin more than losing to Ole Miss, especially in the sport that we believed that we were superior. And they came up here, listen, we had the game in control late in the fourth quarter. And we and listen, to give Coach Yo and her team credit, they battled back. And we had, you know, we had to f- scratch and claw to win that game. And so we can say all we want to, we can get in a press conference and we can talk about, you know, we, we, we kind of we did this, we did that. All that doesn't mean anything. I mean, I know it's an obligation you got to go do, but you got to go beat Ole Miss on Sunday. Not just because we need a win, but also because of who it's against. You can't let them have any room because that, if that's, we're already dealing with some of that now in men's basketball. It's like, well, you know what? Ole Miss went through a coaching change, and, uh, you know, here we were going to the NCAA tournament. And now it feels like that men's basketball, that Ole Miss has passed us, and they have. Let's just go ahead and acknowledge that today. Ole Miss is a better men's basketball program today than us. Simple as I can say it. You lose that ball game Sunday, and this is not a great Ole Miss team, but they're an improved team. We lose up there at the pavilion on Sunday. It is going to be an absolute bloodbath on social media because there are all these old miss fans that have told you for years oh look you you guys are just excited about women's basketball look at you a women's basketball school ha 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 but well, we took a lot of pride in the fact that our ladies played at such an elite level but all those people are going to come out of the woodwork and that's going to kind of gig and irritate our fans and they're going to you know john i'm just going to tell you now and you know whats what i'm saying at john cohen that uh those people, it's not going to sit well with them to lose and then to have Ole Miss people rub their noses in it. And so we got to find a way to win that ball game on Sunday. And we got to get better starts. we got to be more consistent on defense. And I'm not saying things you guys don't already know. But I know that this women's basketball team has talent. I know that this administration is committed to women's basketball. And I know that we better win that ball game on Sunday. I guarantee you that. We need to win that ball game on Sunday. We're going to turn around, and that Tuesday game is, uh, Tennessee game has been rescheduled for Tuesday. Then we'll have uh, Auburn come in, so we'll have a Tuesday-Thursday-Sunday deal next week. going to be a busy week in women's hoops. We'll have two home games, Tennessee-Auburn, and then we're on the road to Tuscaloosa and then to LSU and then uh, close out the regular season with Missouri coming in here. And so you look at this and you say, okay, well, you know, all those games you would say are winnable, when you look at our talent but then when you look at our recent record you kind of you know clutch your pearls a little bit and say you know what can we win a game you know we can but this team needs to find a way to get some confidence and that's got to begin on sunday absolutely got to begin on sunday i don't care if it's a one point win or whatever we've got to stop the snide right and we can't let you know the mississippi state fan base feel like you know what it's over our run is over I still think Nikki mcrae pensons a good coach. And I know when, when you're losing, everything is magnified. I mean, listen, I see it all on, on, on social media. Oh, well, she sits down too much. Listen, if she was winning, nobody would care. If she sits, stands, squats, lays down, whatever. Everything is magnified when you're losing. Everything. Everything. When you're winning, nobody cares. Just as Emery Billard told me years ago, winning covers a multitude of sin. Nobody cares what you're doing when you're winning. But when you're losing, you can't even go to Walmart because whatever brand you buy is the wrong one. Would you believe that they did this? You know, it's just that's just how the, the world works. I'm not going to sit here and apologize for it, but that's just kind of how things are. And Mississippi State is a very forgiving fan base. We are. So we haven't had a lot of winning in our history in a lot of sports. You know, we've done really well in baseball. We've had some good runs in men's basketball at times, certainly some football stuff. But we have been dreadful in women's basketball until the most recent years. And so we've kind of grown accustomed to winning, and that's been something that we've been very proud of, and something we can kind of poke our chest out, that we were among the national elite. Nikki mccray Pinson knew the expectations when she took the job. And while this won't be a popular statement, I think you've got to stick behind her and say, okay, listen, all right, this is year one. Let's finish this thing up as best we can. Let's see if we can't play our way into the tournament. That's still a possibility, but we've got to start winning some games. And then we'll see what happens. And we'll get into next year. But next year, Coach, we can't be losing to Alabama. We can't be out there sweating it out against Ole Miss. we got we got to take a step forward. we got to get back on the right track to get back towards what we believe, where we belong now, is national elite. And so, you know, we didn't hire – Nikki McCray-Penson to go to the women's nit. We hired Nikki McCray-Penson to help us win a national championship. Those are the expectations. We've done everything else. We hadn't won it all. And that's what she has done as a coach and as a player. So she understands what it takes. I just think we've got to have a little more patience. And I think it's listen, I get it. I mean, it, it's more difficult to have patience when we lose But you win that ball game on Sunday, I think everybody can kind of exhale a little bit and say, okay, listen, okay, good. We got that one behind us. We got us another W. Let's look at the rest of the schedule. Maybe we can find a way to win two or three more and kind of end the second half on a high note. That's the hope anyway. But uh, it was not a good night for most of the night in Fayetteville, but uh, the ladies did battle hard late and pulled within a couple points, I guess four points with a couple minutes to go. We just couldn't finish. Give Arkansas some credit. Time for the top 10 list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yar. Hi, right, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovus want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovus is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovus has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Takovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Takovas has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop a new styles, The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are always at your service That's right, Dr. Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. If you are a person that is still battling with sinus headaches, aren't you tired of it? Are you tired of having to get up every morning and try to take some cocktail of, you know, Zyrtec and ibuprofen or whatever? You're just trying to find something to get some relief? If you're tired of that, maybe it's time that you give Dr. Yarber a call. Uh, Two locations to serve you right here on Stark Road, I believe the address, I've got it right here, 910 Stark Road, and then it's 618 Pegram Drive in Tupelo. 910 Stark Road in Starkville, 810 Pegram Drive in Tupelo. Go by and check them out. And listen, if most of us at some point have had these ear, nose, and throat issues, and we just kind of ignore it, and then they become a chronic issue, it may be time to go see somebody. Give them a call today. Make an appointment, 662 844 6513 662 844 6513. Taking us over the counter meds, probably not going to get it done. Go see a professional, Dr. Robert Yarborough, with the Ear, Nose, and Throat Physicians of North Mississippi. So, I was going to do uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire today, but I changed my mind. I just wasn't in the mood for it. I mean, it's, I apologize. mean, we'll go back and do it another day, but I was kind of working through it and I said, you know what, I feel really good about the top five here. I don't, I don't know if I feel so strong about the back five. And so I, I threw a curveball. Roy's expecting Earth, Wind, and Fire today. You know, Roy Samante does our Spotify list, so I have to send him this list. But we're going to do Survivor today, not the show Survivor. We're going to do the rock band Survivor. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, they changed singers after three albums. I don't know if you knew that. Or maybe it's Four. But they had a couple of albums before Eye of the Tiger broke. And if you don't know the story behind that, um, Sylvester Stallone heard the song Poor Man's Son and uh, was impressed with Survivor and approached them about writing a song for Rocky III, which, of course, became Eye of the Tiger, and then ultimately led to other things. But, uh, you know, after the Eye of the Tiger album, they ended up making a change with singers, and that's one of the things too we've talked about before. There's so many bands out there that can't successfully make a change and then maintain relevancy. Yeah, you know, there's only a handful out there you can think about. You know, Brian Johnson, of course, ACDC, probably uh, the best example of that. But Survivor had more more commercial success after they changed singers, and that's with the "Eye of the Tiger" being a huge hit. So uh, there is also too. Before I get into the top ten. On their Greatest Hits album, there is a really cool cover of 38 specials, Rockin' Into the Night, that uh, I kind of stumbled across when I was getting this list together. They do a really good version of that. So if you had not heard that, go check it out. Not as good as the original. It rarely ever is. But uh, Survivor, pretty good job there on Rockin' Into the Night. So here's your top ten. One of the earlier singles from Survivor, and this is back to when we were all like children of the Cold War, you know, where everything. we had this uh, fierce national pride, you know, because we all hated the Russians and we hated all the communists and all that sort of stuff. And so we felt like that we were the world's um, best shining example of freedom. And so we were a little more united as a people in many respects. And so Survivor had a tune called American Heartbeat. And uh, there was a lot of that back in those days. But that listen, it's kind of a cheesy synth rock song. But I think you'll dig it if you've never heard it. Uh, number nine. This is on the follow-up album on Scotty Brothers, and uh, to be honest with you, I think the first album I ever bought on Scotty Brothers was uh, Eye of the Tiger," but uh, a song called "Caught in the Game," and it's actually a pretty snappy little tune. There, I think you'll kind of dig that one. It had some commercial success, but it was not a huge hit. But it what did get some radio play. Number eight, a song that you're as soon as you hear it, you're going to say, "Hey, I know this song." Where do I know this song from? And the, the song is The Moment of Truth. And this is actually the first song once they change singers. The Moment of Truth is from the Karate Kid soundtrack. You know, there at the end, you know, after Daniel's won and everything, that's what that's from. And, uh, some you know, a producer, I guess, had approached them because they'd had some success, of course, recording on soundtracks. And so, Moment of Truth, off the Karate Kid soundtrack. Number seven... One of those great ballads that had some radio play, but it's kind of been lost in the shuffle. You know, it's one of those hidden songs that you're like, you hear it, you think, yeah, I think I've heard this before. It's a song called First Night. Great romance song. You know, we'll always remember this first night. And, you know, it's a kind of a sappy, cheesy love story. Number six, and this is when things really get interesting. So the first full album with new singer Jimmy Jameson was a classic album called Vital Signs. If you're unfamiliar with it, I'm telling you, there is not a bad track on that album. It's one of those you can just push play and let it roll. And uh, number six on this, I guess maybe I kind of got a little bit discombobulated here, but uh, number six is uh, a song called Is This Love That I'm Feeling? Is This Love... And that's actually on the second album with Jim Jamison, uh, <laughs> When Seconds Count. And so that's a really cool tong- song. Got a lot of radio airplay. You'll know it. But uh, to the Vital Signs stuff, I apologize for that. I was a little bit unprepared. Couldn't read my notes there. Number five, a great tune off that Vital Signs album called I Can't Hold Back. Great video, too. Kind of cheesy. You can check it out uh, on YouTube. Number four, you know, after the success of "I of the Tiger... Stallone went back to Survivor and said, hey, do you have a song for, uh, for Rocky IV? And you may recall that's the one when he's uh, you know running from the KGB up in the mountains of Russia, and it's the song Burning Heart. It's another big hit for them. Going back to Vital Signs, number three, The Search is Over. Really good love song, great ballad. I think you'll dig it. But uh, I like the upper tempo stuff a little bit better. Number two, another one of those uh, kind of a synth pop rock song, High On You. And that, to me, that's the, be- the best song. Um, when I, I begin to look at the Vital Signs album, I think that's the best song on the album. And there are some great ones. I mean, there's, I think the whole first side of that thing is I think most of those songs were radio hits. But I think you'll dig it. If you don't know it, High On You, go check it out. It is very 80s. Let me go ahead and prepare you now. It's very, very 80s. So the Production value is very antiquated, but uh, it is a great tune. But number one, and it, could there be anything else? The number one survivor song of all time is The Eye of the Tiger. And at some point, every one of you, when you were a kid and you're getting in your room and you're ready to go fight some other kid, you put on Eye of the Tiger because you wanted to kind of gash yourself up, right? Before you went out there and fought some kid across the street over a BB gun fight or something. But Eye of the Tiger, a great tune. Even to this day, people play it in, in in stadiums. It's very anthemic. But that's the top ten list for today. Again, a little bit of a curveball. And I don't know why I, I got stuck in this little YouTube, uh, you know, wormhole. And next thing you know, I'm I'm doing a top ten survivor list. But uh, I think you'll dig it. Go check it out today. And if you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let me know. And a lot of people reach out to me and they ask me about, you know, Artists I'm not quite as familiar with. And so if I don't do your list, please don't take it personally. I do my best to respond to everybody, but sometimes it gets kind of difficult. I got a lot going on. But uh, some of you have some great ideas and say, hey, what about this? And then sometimes it'll be a band that I don't like. And uh, it's kind of difficult for me to put that list together. So we'll work on that. But uh, I appreciate all of your submissions. And uh, I've had so many people here in recent days that have said, you know what? I like how we change it up a little bit on top ten lists, but I have so many people too, especially younger people have reached out, some of our students at Mississippi State and recent graduates and say, you know what, I appreciate these lists from some of these classic rock bands because it's expanded my knowledge of their catalog. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you. We're here to educate as best we can. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, man, and uh, I love those people. I really do. And you will too. Go by, they will give you service with a smile. They're not in this business to make a killing. They're in this business to make a living. So the pricing is much more competitive than maybe what you've seen elsewhere. Go by and check them out, Campus Bookmart, right off of campus. Go see a Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. You know, baseball season's coming up. You need to get some new Mississippi State baseball threads. You can do that right there at Campus Bookmart. Matter of fact, I had one of our longtime listeners, a uh, great fan of the show, she sent me several uh, top ten suggestions over the years, sent me a screenshot of her using uh, BSR, for her free shipping on her huge MSU baseball order. And uh, that's what we like to see. You know, you, you guys save a little money by doing business with me and uh, look forward to you guys helping us folks at Campus Bookmark. All right, let's talk a little baseball. Speaking of uh, maroon and white and M over S and that sort of stuff, if you are unaware, Mississippi State had some players the, uh, named to the preseason All-SEC baseball team. And there's so many lists out there. Uh, a lot of people have you know these uh, these lists and there's like a thousand Division One baseball polls. Uh, I, I tend to go with D1 baseball. I, I respect the fact that they are uh, out there on the road a little more than some other people are. Baseball America has some people out there. There are a lot of other people. You know they're out there and they're uh, you know they're kind of looking at stats and numbers and they put a poll out and they just kind of you know base it off who wins. They don't actually go through the teams play. So here is what. The, the SEC coaches think in the official SEC baseball preseason poll. So it's interesting. Uh, Florida gets 12 votes to win the SEC. They would also get my vote. I think Florida is going to be very, very difficult to beat. Uh, I also think that they will give us a chance to win the conference because I believe they're going to beat Vanderbilt. If things go up according to plan. Now, I understand they got Kumar Rocker and uh, the lighter kid. Vanderbilt's going to have frontline pitching. I don't think Vandy's going to be near as good offensively as they have been. But they're still going to be Vanderbilt. And they're still out there getting those kids on those need-based scholarships. So they're going to have a little more than the, and probably they should. But Florida is picked to win the whole thing. And then State gets a, a first-place vote, and Vanderbilt gets a first-place vote. So somebody out there loves us. And you know what? We love you, too. I don't know which coach it was, but I love them. I love them, and I will tell them to their face, I love them. Looking at the SEC Eastern Division, running it down from first to seventh. Florida, with 13 first-place votes, wins the uh, preseason poll for the East. Vanderbilt gets the lone vote. Tennessee, third. I don't know that I agree with that. I think Tennessee is going to be pretty good, but you know what? They they lose a little bit of pitching from last year, but – I think they're going to be a good team. I just, I don't know. I I don't think that they're third. I like South Carolina in that spot. I think South Carolina, the schedule works a little bit better for them. You've got Georgia at fifth. Georgia, those guys are bringing some pitching back, but uh, they have not been a great offensive team. So that's probably about right. Missouri, sixth, and then Nick Mangeone at at seventh at Kentucky. And, Nick, uh, listen, I love you. I hope you can find a way to – to prove those people wrong, there's not a lot of people that have much expectations of Kentucky baseball. But I know Nick Mangione is a great baseball mind. I know that Nick Nobody's going to outwork Nick. And so I hope he finds a way to get out of the cellar there. I mean, I, I begin to worry that if they don't have a big year this year, or at least a step forward, that uh, Nick might be out of there. Looking at the SEC West, Mississippi State was picked second behind Ole Miss. Ole Miss gets seven first-place votes. Mississippi State gets three. They get 78 points. We get 73. That's how close it is. And a lot of people have said, well, you know, Steve, you know, why are they always picked ahead of us? They do a really good job marketing themselves. But to be fair, you know, they've got a couple of guys that have done it on the weekends in the SEC as far as pitchers go. now I think we've got more talent. And, and to read the Ole Miss uh, fans, typical fans, you know, breakdown of our team is is comical. But I'm going to tell you, Ole Miss is going to be really good this year. They should be. They should be really good this year, should be one of their better teams. Uh, they were hitting the baseball really, really well last year when uh, the season got canceled. I mean, just absolutely launching bombs out of there. Now, granted, they play at a church league softball field, but, uh, you know, listen, you play to the park you got. And so, you know, I don't. I, I think it would have been a typical Ole Miss year where they all gassed themselves up in a non-conference and think, you know what, this is the year, let's book rooms for Omaha. And they get in a conference play and they find out they're just a pretty good team. I think they're, they're going to be a little bit above that this year, but I don't think they have nearly the depth in that bullpen that many people are suggesting that they do. I also think outside of Doug McKsey, there's not anybody out there that really scares me. NiKsey's really, really good. and you got that's one of those things. you've got to shut down Friday night guy and you're just hoping for a split the rest of the weekend. Uh, Mississippi State, of course, second. Uh, in the west and listen the fact that we're picked second to anybody in the west you know says a lot about our program because usually the second team in the west is a as uh, a team that's hosting a super regional your chance to the top eight national seed that's fine with me uh, arkansas third i won't be the least bit surprised if arkansas finishes second in the west behind mississippi state i think the Ole miss schedule is a lot more difficult than the Mississippi State schedule. I think we have the more favorable schedule and then we get them at our place and we're gonna win that series. You can go ahead and mark that down. Arkansas third. In Arkansas, listen, they've got some pieces back, but they lost some big time pitching too. They, they, they lost some guys early in the draft. And uh it'll be listen, they're gonna be a good team. Dave Van Horn does a great job there. You guys know it, I know it. That's been a recent rivalry for us. We get them at our place. And, again, that's another reason why I think Mississippi State has a chance to win the West, because our top two competitors in the West have to come to Starkville. LSU is fourth. Uh, Somebody, a couple of people, and I'm sure, you know, this is on reputation alone. LSU gets a couple of first-place votes in the West. Uh, I think LSU is going to be better than their preseason expectations. I'm not a big Maneri fan. Uh, they recruit it pretty well, and they've got a great recruiting base because everybody in that state wants to go play baseball at LSU. I told you guys before when I, we, I coached against Jared Poche in high school, and you know, he, he was ready to forego the draft to go to LSU to have a chance to win a national championship. He grew up an LSU fan and watched you know, his great teams in the 2000s and said, you know, listen, I want to be a part of that. Pro baseball can wait. That did not always happen. It happens in Louisiana, probably more anywhere else. They love LSU, and so the Alex Box Stadium is a tough place to play. I think the uh, the the attendance restrictions probably help visitors a little bit, but LSU is going to be able to throw it around a little bit. You might as well get ready for that. LSU is probably going to be, you know, a good pitching staff. Probably not elite this year, but they've got some guys that they're 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 thinking are going to take a jump this year. A and M down there at fifth. I think that's about right. I get a little uh, perturbed at times with the hype about A&M. You know, we went down there and played a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, they had Brandon Shoemake. They didn't have anybody else on that team that could hit it out of the infield. I mean, it was just – and everybody's like, A&M, A&M. and then, like, I'm like, are, are you kidding me? You know, they had a couple of big-time pitchers, but they were not a good offensive team. And some people were acting like, you know what, A&M could make a run to Omaha. No. No, they couldn't. And they didn't. Auburn way down there at number six, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not buying that. I'm absolutely not buying Auburn all the way down at six. I'm sure Butch Thompson probably sees that and thinks, good, good. That's exactly what I want. I want our kids to be hungry. I want our kids to feel disrespected. Auburn's got pitching. Yes, they've had a pretty major injury on the weekend that will change the complexion of things, but Butch will piece that thing together, and they'll probably have just enough offense to make things interesting. I'm a little worried about going over there, to be honest with you. A little bit. A little bit. I think we can win the series. But, um, you know, we're going to have to go over there and hit the baseball round. And uh, I love going to Auburn. I like and Park. It's gotten a little bit old, but it's a quaint little place I really like. I like going to Auburn, uh, and I love going over there for baseball. Probably going to get some people to go with me if I can And then Alabama's down there at number seven. And, guys, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. Uh, This Alabama team is going to be much better than what they've had in recent years. It's just that the West is so unforgiving. So, what we need is Alabama to pick a game off every once in a while, right? We need Alabama to take one from Ole Miss. We need Alabama to take one from Arkansas. Like, they can win the series, but we need Alabama to kind of help us, you know, kind of let the traffic clear. But uh, I'm okay with it. Again, I think State wins the West. And I think there's some people out there that are like, they're being real conservative on state, but the fact that even with them being conservative, we're number two says a lot. Says a lot. We're a top 10 team consensus. I mean, some of our people, some of our fans act like that we're not even ranked. It's like, well, how is all Miss ranked ahead of us? Guys, that'll work itself out. It will. It doesn't matter where you are in the preseason polls, doesn't matter. It just simply doesn't matter where you are in the preseason polls. I know it's fun to talk about, but the only poll that we really want to be number one in is the last one. We've been number one midseason. We've done that several times. We want to be number one and be the last team standing. All right, looking at your first team, I'll run down here because some Bulldogs are mentioned. Uh, first team catcher, Casey Opte, from Arkansas, uh, like him. Uh, T.J. Collette, first baseman from Kentucky. Robert Moore is your second baseman from Arkansas. Rankin, Woolley, third their baseman at Auburn. I expect him to have a big year. Shortstop Ryan Bliss at Auburn are really high on him. Judd Fabian, your outfielder from Florida. Christian Franklin, also from Arkansas. That's a guy that really surprised me a couple of years ago. Tanner Allen, uh, first team outfielder, Mississippi State. Your DH utility, Matt Goodhart. He's another guy that's kind of a difficult out at Arkansas. And then your pitcher, starting pitcher, Kumar Rocker. And then uh, Connor Priop is a starting pitcher from Alabama, and he will probably be their Friday night guy. Devin Fontenot, out of the bullpen, is your reliever. So you have one Bulldog on the first team in Tanner Allen. You've got a couple guys on the second team. You will notice two, and maybe you missed it. You know, Ole Miss picked to win the West, and then does not have a single player on the first team. Not a single player. Florida picked to win the whole thing, has one player on the first team. And that just kind of goes to speak to the talent in this league. Second team uh, catcher, Hayden Dunhurst from Ole Miss. Uh, Hayden, I'm going to tell you now, I'm taking Logan Tanner over you. Uh, First base, Josh Hatcher from Mississippi State. Josh playing the best baseball of his career last year when they shut things down. Second baseman, Max Ferguson, Tennessee. Third baseman, Tim Elko from Ole Miss. Big stick right there. Ole Miss is going to need him to have a double-digit home run type season. And there's nothing to suggest he won't. That's a guy that can really swing the bat. Shortstop Josh Rivera at Florida. Outfield Rowdy Jordan, Mississippi State. Second team, outfielder Owen Diodati from Alabama. Outfielder Cade Velasco from LSU. I, I think there are some holes in his swing. I know he is a guy that you better not miss with the fastball, but I think he is a guy that you can get the breaking ball over. Uh, DH, West Clark from South Carolina, starting pitcher Jack Leiter from Vanderbilt, and then starting pitcher Tommy Mace from Florida. We did a really good job against Mace. We went down there a couple years ago, but this is a guy, too. A lot of people have, you know, first, second, third round grade on this guy. And then uh, relief pitcher Ben Speck, also out of Florida. And so you kind of run the numbers here and you begin to look okay, well, who's missing from Mississippi State? Who could play their way onto this list by the end of the year? Well, Logan Tanner. You know, Go look at the numbers last year. Logan Tanner. Logan Tanner was a guy that I guess there were four stolen base attempts against, and he had three caught stealings. I think those numbers are right. This is a guy last year that has an absolute laser and is able to hold runners on, and he swings for power. We just don't need him to get too heavy, right? I think Logan Tanner is a guy that can play his way onto an all-SEC team late. I mean, he's going to put up big numbers. I mean, you might as well go ahead and get ready for that. I think he hit 268 last year. so I'm play some this summer. You better not make a mistake to him. and the fact that we are so deep in the, the lineup this year, you're going to have some people to hit around him to kind of protect him a little bit so he will get some pitches to hit. I think you look at uh, Scott De Brulle as a guy that nobody's really talking about. But when I talk to our players, Scott, they tell me Scott De has been an incredible addition. They love him. He has some real credibility. He's a guy that uh, has kind of found his way on base regularly. I believe if not mistaken, he was leading the conference and hitting uh, when they shut the season down last year. And so this is a guy that can really play, and he's a great defensive player. And some people have said, hey, listen, this is a guy that's going to make us a better baseball team. This is a guy that understands how to play the middle infield, a guy that plays with a lot of effort. So, you can kind of watch, and we'll see what happens. Also, too, I don't know if you, if you heard, Braylon Skinner was the guy that we thought had a real possibility to play in left, and they worked him some at center in the scrimmages last week and had Rowdy in left, and now Braylon Skinner out four to six weeks. Out four to six weeks. And uh, first it was uh, deemed a sprained wrist. It appears to be more serious than that, so now he's out four to six weeks. He was a guy, too, that a lot of people had some expectations for and said, you know what, he's a guy that can really cover some ground, and he can hit the baseball, so he's out for a good portion of the non-conference schedule. Outside of that, it appears Bulldogs in pretty good shape, and so I'm eager to see this team play. We'll be on the road next weekend uh, to go see them. Matter of fact, your Friday Boneyard will be recorded uh, probably on Thursday. Probably record that on Thursday. It'll be a travel day. Probably do that Thursday night because we're going to be playing baseball Friday morning at 11. And, uh, listen, I would be remiss, too. You know, we're getting ready to head to Arlington and the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, what happened on Thursday with that horrific wreck and that icy express lane stuff. And, you know, listen, there's not enough kind words or sympathy that you can offer. But, uh, listen, our hearts and our prayers and all the good vibes that I can muster go out to those families and the people that had to live through that and those that sadly didn't. Um, but when we get ready to head out to Arlington, that'll be on my heart. I can I can assure you. And and uh, listen, you know we're we're looking at all this, you know from, you know from a distance. But um, it is incredible to wake up to the, those images and think about that could have been any of us, just on our way to work or on our way to bring the kids to school or whatever, and suddenly an accident happens in front of you on an express lane where there is no shoulder. There are just two concrete barricades and now all of a sudden it's an icy highway and people can't stop and so even though you have come to a stop people behind you are attempting to and simply can't and um, it's very very sad very 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 sad all right listen if you're thinking about moving to Starkville you need to give our friends at Portico a chance to uh to work with you Brooks Bryan a big fan of the show and uh, I'm a big fan of his Brooks is a great guy if you guys are not aware of Brooks he uh former diamond dog that uh, robbed a home run to beat the University of Washington to send us to Omaha, Nebraska and the College World Series. Brooks is one of the developers of the Portico Housing Development right here off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and in the Chrysler Jeep dealership, just over a mile from campus, easy access to Highway 82 and 25. There will be 51 houses total in the development, with 18 houses in the first phase that are approaching completion. There'll be 33 houses in the second phase, and uh, that, that construction program is going to take uh, most of 2021. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet in two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bed, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. As I told you, Brooks is one of the developers, and if you need more information, you can call Brooks. He's happy to talk Diamond Dog Sports with you. He's happy to talk about uh, all the great contributions that he made to Mississippi State baseball, and he made a bunch of them. But his phone number is 601-416-8075, and he will get you lined up with more information about Portico. Again, that's 601 601- four one six eight zero seven five what are you waiting on i mean many of you have dreamed about moving back to starkville or moving here for the first time you know what are you waiting on now is a great time to do it and so you want to be in the newest nicest construction that's what you're going to have at portico give them an opportunity to serve you all right before we get out of here let's talk a little 2022 college football recruiting everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks and uh, Mississippi State expected to take one quarterback in the class. And one of the names that is prominently mentioned in connection with Mississippi State, Mike Leach, has been uh, Tanner Bailey from just across the line there in Gordo. If you, if you know this area, you know, you, you get on 82 and uh, you cross over into Pickens County, Alabama, and you got to watch your speed and you get to reform. Next thing you know, you're in Gordo. And uh, we've recruited some kids out of there in the past. But uh, Tanner Bailey is one of the most heralded quarterbacks in the Southeast and uh, has 18, I guess 19 offers at this point. He is a legitimate guy, and uh, Mississippi State is in contact with him regularly. Now, his father Lance played at Auburn. He was on the roster there. I don't know much he actually played, but um, he was a backup quarterback at Auburn. And so they have been an Auburn family. However... Alabama's Nick Saban personally made the offer uh to Bailey. Now, I don't know what Alabama's going to do at quarterback. A lot of people have uh, kind of been in contention for that spot, and I think when you begin to think about, you know, what's going to happen with uh, you know, with these quarterbacks, it's 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 like a domino effect. There's a lot of that that goes on. Like there's a lot of these kids right now that have offers that are not committable, but Tanner Bailey's not one of those guys. Tanner Bailey's one of those guys that has a lot of options, a lot of schools that are willing to take him. Uh, I believe Mississippi State is certainly one of them. And uh, I understand Mike Leach is in regular contact with him. And, and again, Alabama is one of those teams that Alabama kind of gets what they want. But uh, a lot of discussion that uh, Tanner's going to stay in the SEC. And we'll see how that develops. That's one of the things that I, I, I get excited about the new names popping up, as I've told you guys before. But you know Tanner Bailey is one of those guys, kind of in our natural recruiting footprint, you know, because this is not that far. Go to Alabama. His matter of fact, his brother, Tanner's brother, is a student at Mississippi State. So those are the things that I look at, and I begin to think, okay, if his brother is here, and that doesn't always work well for Mississippi State. Then we ought to have a bit of a recruiting advantage. Then we have Mike Leach here, uh, a quarterback's best friend. Now, Bailey has not named a leader. But he has several options to choose from. Now, the schools right now that he appears to be most interested in and that have a mutual interest in him, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Louisville, Mississippi State. So we're right there in the thick of things, and that's what I think Mike Leach does for you. I think Mike Leach gets you in those quarterback battles that you ordinarily would not be a part of. I think in the end this is going to boil down to this, is what happens at Alabama, what happens at Auburn, what happens at Georgia. Now, some some of these dominoes are beginning to fall. Now, I'm not a guy that believes we have got to lower the hurdles, but uh, when some of those blue chip schools take quarterbacks, it's going to help. It's going to help. They they can't sign them all, right? Alabama, I guess, has probably offered you know a handful of quarterbacks already. Looks like Alabama's offered about ten quarterbacks. Well, they can't take them all, right? I mean, you know, these aren't the Bear Bryant days where you go out and take the best athlete off everybody's team. But uh, Alabama's offered. Uh, Looks like nine, ten quarterbacks, and they've lost one to Ohio State out of South Lake Carroll, and then they've lost Walker Howard, of course, to LSU. But listen, that's Jamie Howard's kid. Everybody knew that was going to happen. And then there's Tanner Bailey, and then Gunnar Stockton has already committed to Georgia. So there's a a spot that's filled there. And then Ty Simpson, of course, uh, the son of Jason Simpson, we expect him to commit to Clemson any day now. I believe that happens uh, a week from today, maybe the 19th. But you're beginning to see – these spots get a little more scarce. And so I think Michael H. Mississippi State, has to continue doing what they're doing. I think we're in a good spot, but we could be in a better spot as this game of musical chairs gets a little deeper. I think that helps Mississippi State. Now, looking at some in-state recruiting, I had a chance to, uh, to interact a little bit with uh, Jatarius Elam, out of Greenville Christian, former Greenwood High School player. You know, when they had the shutdown up in Greenwood, a lot of those players went to Greenville Christian and played one a state championship. Elam is a guy that has already got a handful of offers, including an early tender from LSU, uh, Southern Miss. He claims a Pitt offer. I don't know how, you know, I don't think that's a real option. But he is a guy that is clearly getting a lot of recruiting interest from Mississippi State, a lot of interest from Mississippi State. He named Mississippi State as his leader to me. Today, because of the fact that State's recruiting him harder than everybody else, it is also a chance to play Southeastern Conference football close to home, and I am told that he will not go far. He is a guy that wants to be closer to home and let his family have an opportunity to be a part of all this. Uh, Khalid Moore, DN linebacker type out of Popperville, Mississippi. I think he is extremely talented. I think he is a guy that is going to have a really good college career. I like what I'm hearing about him in relation to Mississippi State. He's got a handful of offers, including State, Ole Miss, and a few others. He is a guy that is going to probably have a lot of options to consider. But I like what I'm hearing about the job that Matt Brock is doing with him. Matt has made him realize, you know what, hey, this is a real opportunity for you at Mississippi State. This is a brand of defense we play. This is where you'll play. Uh, Matt Brock, one of Mississippi State's better recruiters. I like the fact that he is uh, kind of on point in this one because I think Khalid Moore will ultimately be a top ten player in the state of Mississippi, a dandy dozen type guy, and uh, and do a great job. I think he is a guy that fits what we want to do. Trent Singleton is a guy we haven't talked about a whole lot on the show out of Raymond, Mississippi. The best athlete on the team, so he kind of does whatever they want. Uh, I like him at safety. I think he's a guy that can play nickel, Uh, But I think it's one of those things you get him on campus. He's such a great athlete. He's also a guy that grew up a Mississippi State fan. That is also advantageous because I believe what Mississippi State needs to do is to get some in-state momentum rolling. Yeah, you say, well, Steve. You know, we've already got a kid from Canton Academy, Dakota Gooding committed. We've got uh, Jaquarius Clayton from Tupelo committed, and all that's true. But I think you need to go ahead and get some other guys in the boat to kind of get this thing going, kind to get some juice going, and then have those guys out there recruiting for you. It's a big part of this process because what happens is the guys don't just become committed to Mississippi State. They become committed to each other. So if things go well, I will be covering a seven-on-seven tournament on Saturday. If things go well. Now, I'm I'm very worried about the weather, and I'll be honest with you. The, the, the thought of having to go out there and uh, this kids play seven on seven in uh, T-shirt and shorts uh, in this frigid weather, it does not sound the least bit appealing. I will not be the least bit surprised if they don't cancel this thing on Saturday. But if they play, we're going to go over. Tanner Bowie is going to be there and several others, guys at Mississippi State recruiting. So we'll go over, we'll get some pictures, we'll get some interviews, we'll see how these kids play. And uh, listen, it is 7-on-7, but you can kind of get a good feel for the general athleticism of a player and see if they can elevate, see how they compete. I mean, you you can get a pretty good idea. I've always felt like, and I know that I'm in the minority, I think what happens on Friday night matters the most. I know everybody talks about powerlifting competitions and track meets and all that sort of stuff and how well a kid did in 7-on-7 Uh, I like to see what they do when we actually play football. I know that's weird. I want to see what they do when they put the helmet on and they're out there and the band is playing and they're keeping score. That's what I want to see. That's what I really want to evaluate. The rest of it is just kind of like part of the package. But I know a lot of guys that are great seven-on-seven players that look good in the weight room and then the lights come on and they disappear. And so those are the players to me. And I, Listen, I get it. I know that I'm antiquated in my thinking. But I think that if we're going to actually uh, you know, go sign a kid to a football scholarship and pay for his education, that he needs to be able to play football. And so that is the best barometer of a guy's ability. All the rest of it is just details. Can a guy go out there and make plays on Friday night? Will he hit you? Does he have contact courage? Does he have a competitive streak? Is he big enough? Is he tough enough? Is he competitive enough? You're not going to see all that just out there playing two-hand touch and T-shirt and shorts. But I'm going to go because I think it's important for us to get out there and kind of meet some of these kids and see them in person because we're playing catch-up. There's so many people out there that want to rank players and they never see the kids play. And so we'll take what we can get. We'll do our best to get some information for you guys and we'll turn around and share it with you over on jeanspage.com. If you haven't, please go to alphadogsthebook.com and you can order personalized copies of Flim Flam Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs. And you guys have been doing that because I've had to sign books uh, a couple days a week for the last three four weeks. And uh, so go check that out. Go do it today. If you just need a signed copy, you can get that done. But if you want a personalized copy, and it's too late for Valentine's Day, but uh, you could always get a belated gift for yourself. And if you're a single person, maybe you're buying a gift for you. Don't you love yourself? Give yourself a Valentine's Day gift. Get the the gift of knowledge by getting a copy of Alpha Dogs. And also go to StarkVillains.com and order yourself a Stark Villains hoodie. It's gonna be really cold. You're gonna be, wish you had a Stark Villains hoodie uh, come uh, Wednesday. And listen, everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of your pets. Take care of your pipes. You country folks understand. Probably gonna be running the the uh, running the water for a week next week as we get this arctic temperature in here and uh probably best to stock up a little bit but uh the boneyard will endure so we'll do our best to have uh our regular schedule next week and looking forward to being with you guys and again i can't listen to any complaints this week as i have been up and recorded these shows in the in the middle of the morning and you guys have been able to listen early on so I like the schedule. Maybe we'll keep it as long as I don't have to get up and bring the kid to school. It's going to be great. So I I kind of enjoy doing this. on my night owl as it is. And if you hadn't done so, go over to jeanspage.com and read my one-on-one interview with Coach Mike Leach. The first part of it was free, part two, VIP subscription only at Jeans Page. And you should be a subscriber anyway. Go check that out. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.